Colossians for the third message in this uh, new series on Christ First. And we want to look at the introduction, the third message on the introduction. I want you to know this church pretty well, in fact, very well. It's no longer in existence, hasn't been in existence for evidently 1,900 years, but it was greatly used of God, and it's, a, it's being used of God, of course, to this day, of course. We learned so much from this church at uh, Colossae, of course, that had two heresies. We haven't got to the heresies yet. This Gnosticism and, of course, asceticism. We'll talk about that in weeks from now. But uh, we want to look at the introduction of this book here. Uh, here again tonight, here, and we finished up where we left off last week here. This book was written about A.D. 64 in uh, Paul's in prison. And we know the church was started in, some theologians put it as early as 55 A.D., others put it as late as 61 A.D. And so uh, the world is changing very quickly. The Romans rule the world, of course, and uh, uh, this church, this little church in Phrygia, or central, what we know of today is central Turkey, of course, next to two other towns, Hierapolis and, of course, Laodicea, uh, was a great church of the day, but uh, this city was failing in its uh, uh, structure. There was an uh, uh, earthquake that rocked the city a few years earlier, about 55 A.D., and, uh, but this church is a great, really one of the great churches of of the New Testament that we read about, of course, it's by the time we get to Revelation in AD 90 or so, we read about the seven churches of Asia Minor and Colossae is not mentioned. But let me just pick up the reading in verse number 2, and uh, let's read to verse number 10. Let's read responsibly again, as our custom is. Let me read the even-numbered verses. Read with me, please, the odd-numbered verses. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all saints, all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as... It is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's spend about three or four minutes in review here. We're catching up where we left off last Wednesday night. Look at your worksheet, if you would, please. So we looked at the Church of Colossae. We talked about its membership, of course. They were saints. They were holy ones. They were sanctified ones. And uh, then we said that they were faithful brethren, and they were faithful, the word faithful is the word pistuo or pistos, and it's the word that has to do, they were, they were true to the original, they were, they were imitators of Christ, of course, and they were trying to, their life was in Christ, as we're going to read later on in this book here, of course. Uh, verse 27 of chapter 1, it says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So they were in Christ, they were true brethren. They were, uh, they were saints. They were both in Christ and in Colossae. And we are both in Christ and in Connecticut, in our case. And we're citizens of dual, we have a dual citizenship. 
and uh, we're citizens of the United States of America, and we're citizens of heaven as well. And then, of course, the members of this church are not only in God the Father, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we spent several minutes on that, of course, uh, buttressing the truth that this is Lord Jesus Christ is he's the central theme of the whole entire book. Verse number 18 is our text verse of the whole entire book, of course, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And uh, that he is before all things, he's pre-existent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. He is the cosmic creator of the universe, of course. And then we looked at, uh, last week, the church at Colossae, it was a oneness church. It was oneness, it was unified in thanksgiving. And they were, in everything, give thanks for this is will of God. It was unified in prayer. And uh, they were a praying church. We mentioned Wednesday night, uh, of course, and it's already been alluded to, and it's, it's true, uh, Hey, uh, folks, Wednesday night services, let me just park in this for 10 seconds. They're going by the wayside all over America. Churches, Assembly of God, denomination used to have Wednesday night services. They've cut those out 10, 15 years ago now. Most Baptists cut them out, and most Baptists have gone to uh, group sessions and uh, specialty classes. Nothing wrong with that necessarily, but the prayer meeting has dissipated from America. And... Uh, we need to get back to prayer meetings, of course, and want to do some things. And let me just make a commercial plug here. We've got to get back to having a kids program. I don't blame parents with children why they don't come to Wednesday night services, on, especially during school time when there's nothing for their ch children, of course. And so they don't want to listen to a boring old preacher. They want to have their kids be, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all. I mean it in just a very serious way. They want to have their kids entertained and excited about the things of the Bible and play Bible games and so forth. And and so we need to get back to having a kids program eventually. And so that's our, on our bad, or my bad, if you will. We've got to get back to buttressing and building up the prayer meeting again. Uh, and let me get back to the teaching and get off uh, preaching here, if I could, for a moment. So we need to be unified. This church is unified in prayer, unified in thanksgiving, unified in saving faith. And simple faith is saving, is saving faith when it is in the Savior. It's not just enough to have faith. It's not just enough to have faith in God, uh, generically speaking. We have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any, any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so this, they were unified in saving faith. And lastly, we ended here last week. They were unified in loving the brethren. And uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love, the song says. And the Lord said, this is, I give you a new commandment that I uh, write unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In John's Gospel, we read these verses. And so let's pick up in verse number 5. And let me give you uh, Roman numeral number 3 now. The church at Colossae was not only a Roman numeral 2, a oneness church, but it was an outreach church. It was an outreach church. Verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Now what is the hope that we have in, in heaven? Who's our blessed hope? Help me out. Jesus Christ, he's our blessed hope. It's not a hope that we, uh, we hope so, but it's a no-so hope. It's, I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. But turn your Bibles a few pages away to the T-books, to the book of Titus, and look at uh, the blessed hope that we have. And I don't want to spend too long on this, but I want to certainly comment on it. Titus chapter 2, and look at verse number... 13. Looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, here we have what's called in the Greek language the Granville Sharp Roll, the great God. Who's the great God? And our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we touched on it Sunday morning. I just want to teach you Bible doctrine in regards to the Trinity. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, it speaks about the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the church of God, uh, which he has purchased with his own blood. Well, who died on the cross? We all know the answer to that, of course. It was Christ. Who is the church of God? Well, it's the church of the Heavenly Father. He present, Jesus will present unto him a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle. But it was his blood that was shed. And we have this doctrine of the Trinity of God. And here we see this doctrine, this blessed hope of the great God and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. He's, we, we call it the rapture, the catching away. And it could come at any moment. It's the imminent return of Christ. And so back to our worksheet and back to Colossians 1, this blessed hope, look at, look at this blessed hope is the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course he's appearing in uh, a secondary uh, way. He's, he's in us in glory, he's already in us right now. In Colossians 1, 27, notice what it says, chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the mystery or the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this, this outreach church, it starts with a people that have Christ in them. We are the hope of this world. There's the only hope that this world has, is, and people like you and I have Christ in us. He's, uh, we're the, he's the hope of glory. And uh, we're looking for that blessed hope when we see him, and we see him face to face. And so we see this, we are to preach the blessed hope, and we are to preach the truth that he's coming again. And uh, uh, it seems to me, and maybe it's just me, but it seems to me, and I'll, I'll move, move forward, but we're not having as much preaching in the last year or two or three on the second coming of Christ that we used to have just a few years ago. It seems like we've gone through, we go through cycles, and we're talking about the second coming of Christ. It seems like we're out of it right now, like, oh, Christ is not coming back anytime soon. Well, he was coming back real soon a few years ago. He's not coming back real soon now. He's coming back sooner than he's coming sooner than ever before. And so the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So an uh, outreach church is preaching that Jesus is coming again. They're preaching the blessed hope. But then verse 5, back to our text now. Whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And so this outreach church, they, they proclaim the blessed hope of Jesus Christ, that he's coming again, that he is, he's Christ in us, the hope of, the hope of glory. But then they also preach, they were preaching the truth of the good news. The good news, the, the word good news, of course, the word gospel is the word evangelion. The Evangelical Baptist Church takes their word from the word evangelical is the evangel is the the Again, the root word in the English transliteration of the word evangelion or evangelion, or we, we say evangelical, of course, and it means the good news. What's the truth of the good news? The truth of the good news is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. That's good news, and we have the truth of the gospel. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Thomas asked the question, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, 
Can you help me out? I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Jesus is the truth of the gospel. See, there's power in the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from face to face, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so we need to preach the truth of the said gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This popped in my head, let me say it here. Uh, our Constitution state on our license plate is a, goes back and it identifies the fact that Connecticut had the first Constitution in the United States of America, the precursor for our Constitution of our United States Constitution. And we, the inhabitants of Hartford, Weathersfield, and, and uh, Windsor, do hereby cohabit, and, and I can't quote it, I should have that memorized, but it says, uh, we, we stand by the said truth of the gospel. They must have read Colossians 1, verse number 5. The said truth of the gospel. And uh, the gospel is said truth. The gospel is f finished truth. And it's, there is no truth outside the gospel. And there's the, the good news, the, the bullseye of all good news is the fact that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. And all that put their faith and trust in Christ will go to heaven for all eternity will be saved. You, Jesus said you must be born again. That's the truth. And so this church preached the truth. Not a generic, not a washed out, or just a, 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 a murky version of uh, truth, of course. And just for the record, already, and I'm laying the groundwork for the weeks to come, because Gnosticism already had come into to being in, in regards to this first century uh, belief of Christ. He'd, already been, he'd only been gone for 25 years or 30 years at this time. And they said, well, he wasn't really, he wasn't fully man, because God couldn't, that man, materialism is, is evil. And he's not, he's not, he couldn't be fully God, because God can't dwell in a body. And so this Gnosticism was evolved, of course. And they, they, we have this Christianity that's full of Gnosticism, and the, the two don't cohabit together. Two are uh, contrary one to another, of course. And the, the gospel, the truth of the gospel is that Christ literally died for our sins. He literally was buried, and he literally rose again as the God-man. And so this truth of the good news, this blessed hope, this outreach church then thirdly, uh, look at verse number six, if we could, which is, come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, in all the world, I was, I've been doing some geography studying, and uh, it's hard for us to comprehend this, but, uh, you know, we have an interstate system in the United States. In the 1950s, we got serious about building interstate roads all the way across and tying. We got I-90, I-80, 70, I-10. We got the, the, the odd numbers, 95, 85, these interstates all that, that, that blanket our country. The Romans... They had, a, they had the gold marker at the Colosseum in Rome. And they had the, the all roads lead to Rome. They had an interstate system all over the world. And it was amazing. I thought, well, it would take them forever to get around. It didn't take them a whole lot longer than it takes us. <laughs> to, I mean, they were, they were pretty fast and pretty efficient. They could blanket the, the Roman Empire. Uh, by this time, in fact, the year is 64 AD, Boudicca, the queen of... Uh, the Welsh Queen of uh, England uh, 
Caesar went in 61 and, of course, attacked the Boudicca and attacked, uh, attacked the English. I mean, they, they could get all around the, the known, known world at that time in a very short period of time. Why did I say all that? The gospel spread from Jerusalem. Jesus said, he said, I want you to take this gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the what? The other most parts of the what? The world. And uh, the Bible says in Acts 17, in verse number about A.D. 42 or so, verse number 6, these are, these are they that have turned the world upside down with the gospel. These, this gospel in Romans chapter 15, uh, Paul said he went from Jerusalem to Elycrium, which we know of today is, uh, was modern-day Yugoslavia. Now it's Bosnia, Herzegovina, Croatia, Serbia, and those six countries that broke apart. Paul, Paul preached the gospel. He wanted to go to Spain, remember. We know that Peter went to probably Babylon. We know that uh, Thomas, St. Thomas, went to India. I mean, these guys got all over the world, is what I'm trying to say, in a short period of time. And so this gospel is going to the ends of the earth. And I guess I didn't give you a letter C yet, did I? Preaching that, that brings forth fruit. It brings forth fruit. We're to preach this gospel to the ends of the world. Acts 8, chapter 8 says that they went, therefore they, they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the gospel. So the only way we can get all the way around the world as per se is through our faith promise missionary program. I'm I know I'm preaching to the proverbial choir here tonight, but let me just take park here for a minute here. We get people excited about giving the faith promise missions. That's how we keep those lights on, those lights that represent missionaries all over the world. And uh, we're going to have the gallows come from Argentina. We don't have any light in Argentina whatsoever. Uh, they're going to, they're, he's an Argentinian, and uh, he's going back to his country. He's in Connecticut right now as we speak, and up in Enfield, and uh, he'll be with us with his wife and two children. And uh, then we'll have Nathan Childs and his wife, and they're going to South Africa. We have no light in South Africa. We had a light once upon a time, but the uh, uh, missionaries moved out and, uh, because of, uh, well, pressure, I'll just say it that way, and they're in Australia now. The Wilhites are in Australia. But God's called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to be fruit, we're to be fruit producers. Let me quote you a verse, John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so God's called us to be fruit bearers, to be soul winners, to be missionary minded. Which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. As it doth also in you, since the day that ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. There was Epaphras, we're going to read about in just a second here. There was Onesimus, the little book of Philemon. There was Philemon. There was Archippus. These were members of this church at Colossae. And there was a multiracial type church. And uh, like Lydia in the Cellar of Purple in uh, uh, Acts chapter 16, of course, on uh, the Philippian jailer in the church at Philippi. That's it. I'll get it out. It was a multiracial church, multi-ethnic uh, uh, church. This is a multi-ethnic church. The, aren't you glad the gospel's for red and yellow, black and white? The gospel's for Americans and it's for Chinese and it's for Venezuelans and so forth. And so this church at Colossae was an outreach church. They preached the blessed hope. They preached the truth of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. They preached about the, uh, the, the, the preaching that brought forth fruit. 
And sadly, I already alluded to it once, but we'll move forward to this comment and move forward to the last point here, if we could tonight. But we get to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and we read about the seven churches of Asia Minor. Colossae is not there. Now, we don't really know why Colossae was not there. They did have an earthquake. The city I mentioned, Winstead, Connecticut, last week, as I look at Brother Jim, of course, he was in the flood of 55, 1955. That was a few years ago now, huh? And uh, it's just a boy at that time. But it changed Winstead. It changed New Hartford. And I bring that up in the context of a couple of major catastrophic events that took place to Colossae. And the city is in ruins today. There's just archaeological ruins. And I guess Tim's showing the slides anyhow. But these are actual ruins of, of, the, of ancient Colossae. It's not there any longer. But by the end of the first century, it evidently already had gone down to just a, a beggar town and just a handful of people still there. But they... They nevertheless had an eternal effect. This just popped in my head. Let me just say it. Uh, Brenda uh, Bennett, you and ORS, that's Pastor Bennett's one and only daughter, texted me yesterday. And uh, Brenda, she has, uh, she was the only child, of course, and she has MS now. She's 59 years old. She has multiple sclerosis. And she says, and we were childhood friends, of course, obviously, and when grew up in the youth group and grew up in church and so forth. And, and uh, she said, uh, she said, I'm just missing my mom. Her mom died 20 years ago, and uh, her mom was kind of like a second mom to me. And, and uh, she said, just missing people, and, uh, just thinking about New Lyme. She was referring to New Lyme Baptist. My little country church that I've alluded to many times, only when we get to heaven will we understand the value and the, all the tentacles and all the people that have been reached for Christ because that little country Baptist church in little old New Lyme, Ohio, that none of you have ever been to other than my wife and I, I guess, and the little... So small, they even got rid of their little post office. They had the smallest post office in Ohio. It was so small, it was, it was the size of a shed, and everybody had to go to the, the, the post office in New Lyme to get their mail. No, there was no delivery. Of course, that was 30 years ago. They've upgraded down delivery, and they got sucked in. Now they're part of the metropolis of Rome. New Lyme is just a, like Barkhamstead, or not even. Barkhamstead is a major metropolis compared to New Lyme. But New Lyme Baptist has been faithfully preaching the gospel for almost 200 years now. And God, so here's this little church, and they were a fruitful church, and we're really beneficiaries of this church in Colossae. Well, let's hurry along here. Let's get to this last point taken care of tonight here. The church at Colossae was not only in, uh, a oneness church, an outreach church, but thirdly, and lastly, in way of introduction uh, tonight, the church at Colossae was an obedient church. They were an obedient church, a oneness church, an outreach church, a missionary-minded and soul-winning church, but they were an obedient church. In verse number 7, it says this, As he also learned of Epaphras, our fellow servant. Now that word servant, by the way, there's the word doulos. Uh, we're not sure of this, but we think that Epaphras voluntarily volunteered to become a prisoner with, with Paul in Rome. But he evidently could come and go. And uh, he was able to come and go, but he helped to minister to Paul. But he was from this church at Colossae. And so he, the Bible goes on to say, verse number 7, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. He's probably the founder of the church. Paul was not the founder of this church, uh, but Epaphras was evidently the founder. And so uh, this church was a faithful church, church in, or faithful in service, rather. Fill in blank word is service. Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
Uh, I mentioned Bill Allen from the pulpit in 20 years, probably, whatever it's been. Adam and I were talking about Bill Allen after his service. Some of you don't know, most of you don't know who he is, but he's been a faithful minister. He pastors the little Litchfield Hills Bible Chapel in, uh, up on Route 4. He's 85 years old. He's still plugging away. And uh, he used to be the pastor down at the Nepog Congregational Church that turned into Nepog Bible 50, 45 years ago before I ever got here. And went back to Texas. Anyhow, he's been preaching the gospel faithfully for all these many years. I had breakfast one time with Brother Allen, maybe 15, 18 years ago, whatever it was, and uh, uh, we're the same, uh, basically the same doctrinal uh, flavor. Of course, they preach salvation by grace alone, of course. They have a little difference in church polity, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. Um, the point is, he's faithful in service. And the Bible says that is required in stewards, 1 Corinthians 4.2, that a man be found faithful. God's called us all to serve the Lord and to be found faithful, beginning with the, the, the shepherd. We touched, touched on the shepherd or the pastor on Sunday morning. So faithful in service for time's sake here. We're going to end here on time here tonight, of course. So verse number eight, notice fervent in love. This church was obedient in their service. They were obedient in their fervency and love. Who also has declared unto us, your love in the spirit. We are required, we are required to, to love the brethren, love one another. The, but the fruit of the spirit is, what's the nine fruits of the spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5? But the fruit of the spirit is what? What's the first one? Love. Love, joy, peace. If we don't love the brethren, oh, we're, 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 we're hypocrites. We're, we're lying to ourselves if we say we love God and we don't love the brethren. And so... First uh, Corinthians, First Peter one twenty two says this: Seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned or unhypocritical love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently. I don't want to allude to anybody that's ever left our church, and we had a handful of people leave last year. Every year we have somebody leave. Sometimes people leave because they fall out of love or they don't feel loved, but uh, in many cases they fall out of love with maybe first, maybe with God, but with God's people. And there's no perfect church, and uh, it gets to the point where people say, well, I don't, I don't feel loved any longer. I, I'm thinking of a certain somebody that I'll, I won't, obviously I won't name tonight here, but maybe they didn't think that we loved them like we, I think we really did love them, and uh, uh, maybe we didn't exhibit it like we should have all the time, but they, in a sense, they might be accusing us of not loving or accusing me of not loving, but in reality, they're not loving. We've got to love our family. We love our brethren. Unhypocritical love. Obedient. Love no matter what. We love the brethren. We're not jealous of other churches, for the record. We're not jealous of other servants of God. And other pastors and other churches. That's that's uh, God's called us all to do this work together and to love one another. So we're faithful in service. We're faithful in love. Then, verse number nine: For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the, the, the with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. And spiritual understanding. Now, there's three words there that uh, you, you know the Greek words to all three, or two of the three. Anyhow, the word knowledge is the word 
gnosis, or we get our word Gnostic from, or knowledge. And there's knowledge of his will in, his, in, his, in all wisdom. That word wisdom is the word Sophia. You, of course, the, ladies, the woman's name is Sophia. And uh, a sophomore is a, a sophisticated fool, is a wise moron, uh, literally is what that means. And uh, Jaden, are you a sophomore yet, or are you, what are you, freshman? Ninth grade? And uh, when you get to be a sophomore, you'll be a sophisticated fool. And uh, that's, that's uh, what a sophomore stands for. But Sophia, is, the word has to do with uh, uh, wisdom. And the definition in this case has to do more with information, having wisdom. So then faith cometh by hearing, Romans ten seventeen says, and hearing by what? The word of God. Now, follow this train of thought. You have to hear the word of God and know the word of God before you can apply the word of God. Let me say that one more time. You have to hear the word of God. You must know the word of God before you can apply the word of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's many people that don't obey God's word. They have no clue what God's word says. Many Christians like that. So wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. We need to study, show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, readily dividing the word of truth. We've got to know the word of God. We've got to read God's word before we can know God's word. We've got to read it. We've got to hear the preaching of God's word. That's the explaining, explaining of God's word so we can incorporate and begin to apply God's word. How can we apply what we don't know? We can't. So, so he prays that this church will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, that's, again, information, but then it doesn't end there, and spiritual understanding. Now, that word spirit, understanding is the word synusis, and it means discriminate, discrimination. So, Sophia is the definition, or information, synusis is the discrimination or discernment. In other words, after we hear God's word, then we get to know God's word, then we can apply God's word, and then we can use discrimination and discernment to, as we daily in the usage of God's word. For example, I mean, many illustrations could be given, and we'll, we'll maybe touch on this moving forward as we go forward, because there's so many cults and isms, wrong belief systems out there in Christianity. You ever heard somebody say to you, I'm going to pray that you can get the gift of the Spirit? You don't have to pray for the gift of the Spirit for me, I've already got them. If you're, if you're a child of Christ, you already have him in, in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You already have the earnest of his spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 uh, says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Uh, our charismatic friends, our Pentecostal friends, some of them stumble and they, they, say, they say, I'm going to pray that you get the spirit. Sorry hate to inform you, but I already got him. I got him when I was saved. I was indwelled by his spirit, and uh, there's, a, there's a filling of the spirit, and there's a quenching of the spirit, and that's another story. But you see, that doesn't ring true. So not everybody that uses Bible verbiage and Bible language is, is rightly dividing the word of truth or knows the word of God. And uh, so we need to be filled with wisdom, uh, fervent in love, uh, Faithful in service, letter D, in verse number 10 here. And uh, 
that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful. There it is again, verse number six talks about being fruitful. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the fill in the blank word is fruitful in, in works, fruitful in works. And with that said, I'm going to end on time. Heavenly Father, bless we pray as we close out our service tonight. Lord, help us to be fruitful in works and fervent in, in our, our love one towards another and filled with your wisdom. And, and uh, Lord, faithful in our service, we pray. We pray, bless your people, dear God. Bless your church. Give us a great rest of the week this week. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll sing one verse of just one.